0: Welcome to Landlife, a podcast for North Coast landholders by North Coast Local Land Services. This podcast is all about sharing knowledge and experience with landholders across our region to support farm productivity and healthy environments. North Coast Local Land Services acknowledges the traditional custodians of all the nations on which we live, work and play. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging, And extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening to this podcast. If you're a bit news-hungry and have a particular interest in biosecurity, you might have heard of fall armyworm. But for the rest of us, it's not the most exciting-sounding thing happening in the news cycle. But here on the North Coast, it's a pretty important story. Fall armyworm is the larval stage of the creatively named fall armyworm moth, an invasive pest that has recently been discovered on the North Coast. According to Wikipedia, it has a propensity for destruction. The scientific name is derived from the Latin for lost fruit, having been named for its ability to destroy crops. So, all of my online reading aside, what did the experts say? Today's episode is hosted by Donna Cuthill, a plant biosecurity officer with North Coast Local Land Services. Donna is part of a network of biosecurity staff across multiple agencies working on the fall armyworm incursion on the North Coast. And in today's episode, she'll talk to some of her colleagues about some of the things we need to know about fall armyworm.
1: Okay, so I'm here today um, with Bill Gordon, Biosecurity Grains Officer with DPI. What are the first signs growers should be on the lookout for to determine if it's fall armyworm attacking their crops?
2: With the fall armyworm, it's um, usually quite hard to see uh, where the eggs are laid. So we're looking for those early signs of damage. Because they tend to lay eggs in a cluster, you get a lot of larvae hatching together, often you know 50 to 100, maybe 150, and they'll start chewing close to each other. So they tend to chew one surface of the leaf and leave a thin film behind. So we refer to that as windowing, and it's quite wide. Um, Normally things like heliothis will chew a a distinct little hole through and so do other armyworms. Sometimes you might see a little bit of windowing with other caterpillars, but this will be between a number of veins and look like a large patch with a fair bit of the, the epidermis left behind.
1: So if we move on to some of the control options that might be available to us, can you let us know of sort of some of those chemical controls and some things to consider when making the decision to spray?
2: I think for everyone to bear in mind, particularly in New South Wales where we've had very low numbers because it's quite sporadic uh, when they come in, is that this is going to be another pest from that noctuid family like helicoverpa and other armyworms. So when we're thinking about controls, the first thing to think of, does it warrant control? Are there enough larvae there to justify the cost of the spray? And, you know, in in a number of crops that usually in the early vegetative stages, we're looking probably around the three larvae per plant, but there's some really good guides available for people to have a look at what sorts of numbers they should be considering control. The first thing is the cost of the control and the types of products available. And I guess the, the third thing I would add to that is considering which products will be effective against this particular pest. So there's a number of products registered for things like helicoverpa, but what we know about the fall armyworm when it arrived in Australia, brought some resistance traits with it. So some things like organophosphates like chlorpyrifos and carbamates like methamol, it already had some levels of resistance to those. But what we found since testing some of the larvae from samples in Australia is that Things like synthetic pyrethroids and bacillus thuringiensis or dipole also will not be very effective against the full worm compared to a susceptible helicoverpa. So there's a couple of products like Alticore, a firm which is m Benzoate, that are still effective, and also Spinetta Trams, like Success Neo, they, they are quite effective against us and not quite as disruptive to the beneficials, but they are quite expensive compared to some of those cheaper but more disruptive to beneficial options. So we need to first work out, are there enough larvae there to justify the cost of control, particularly if the newer control measures that are suitable for this are more expensive than some of the ones that may have been used in the past. And I guess the the last point to think about there is what sort of job our, our beneficial insects and natural predators are doing. We've seen um, a lot of parasitism of fall armyworm as well as helicoverpa and other armyworms this season with tiny little wasps. There's one called Cotesia that's been really effective, but we've seen things like lady beetles and other predators doing a really good job on them as well. And a little bit of um, natural mortality when there's high rainfall events. So we want people not to overreact to make sure that if there are larvae there in combined with the other ones that would be present if it's worth treating and then think about selecting products that are not going to disrupt those natural enemies um, and beneficial insects. So a couple of things to think about but I guess for most people the numbers of the full armyworm are particularly low and it's really thinking about the range of pests that are there and then thinking about the control options if fall armyworm are present you know will they do the job on those?
1: Thanks very much Bill. So i um. In addition to that, what are some of the key um, things you would look for in IDing a larva?
2: When they're very small, it's quite tricky. Um, They're very pale green with a dark head, but they don't have obvious markings till they get to about the 13 star, sort of 12, 14 millimetres long. And by that stage, they start having some obvious things or signs that you can see. If you start looking from the head first, there's like an upside down V between the eyes of a pale white marking and that joins onto a segment just behind the head so it actually looks more like a Y Um, and I think the segment behind the head is a similar colour and texture to the head itself whereas in helicoverpa that looks more like the body I think Um, the other thing I'd say about the, the head end is that quite often that segment behind the head It has three pale lines. There's a big one in the centre that joins to that V, forming the Y, and then two others, and they tend to follow down the body as pale lines. The other thing to look for is at the bum end of this thing. So on the second last segment, there's um, some black dots along the body, but they're arranged in a really neat square on that second last segment. And then along the body, they're more in a trapezoid shape, so at a bit of an angle with two dots on either segment. So the Y on the head and the square of black dots on the backside are probably the key things. Um, when they get bigger, and when they're small, it's more relying on looking at the damage to, to think about what they would uh, possibly be. And what we'd encourage people to do when they're small is to take a sample some samples of the leaves from the paddock and keep the larvae on them and just rear them for a couple of days in like a takeaway food container in a warm spot because if you can't see those characteristics immediately, within a few days, sometimes they'll become much more obvious and that will help with the identification. Or if you need to take a photo, to send into the biosecurity email, which is biosecurity at So if you took a photograph and you need some help with identification, you can send it into that email address.
0: The North Coast Local Land Services region is a pretty large piece of land, stretching from the Queensland border down to the Port Macquarie-Hastings area. Donna is on the road most days, checking traps and biosecurity surveillance operations in the southern part of the region, with colleagues based elsewhere doing the same in the north. One of those colleagues is James Geary, who recently joined North Coast Local Land Services as an agronomist based in Lismore. Donna met with James to talk more about what they're seeing across the region.
1: So, James, now that we're getting towards the end of the season, can you give our growers a little bit of advice on what they've been able to spray as we've been going along during the season?
3: So, earlier in the season, when we had quite small larvae, we were recommending your BTs, such as Dipil, um, and they were quite effective on on small larvae. Further on in the season, as larvae were larger, um, we, we we had to switch to... Um, non-organic chemistry such as chloranthropol or indoxacarb, uh, which we're having good results with. Uh, now we're coming towards the end of the season; we're still having a bit of pest pressure, um, and we're seeing sort of shot hole um, marks through through your cobs. Uh, a little bit different to your heliothus, which enter in the top of your cob through the silks. Yeah, so that's what we're seeing at the moment, Donna.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right and seeing something very similar in the sort of the southern parts. So where my traps are around that Bombal area and down towards Rollins Plains, same thing. Very, It's very interesting that the, the shot hole is quite specific and unlike any of the damage that we're seeing for heliothis. So probably is a fair indication that there is full armyworm kind of poking around the crop if that's what you're actually seeing. Uh, unlike you, when I'm kind of looking into those shot holes um, in those southern areas, I'm actually not seeing live larvae which is which is kind of a bit interesting so look at there's a thousand reasons that could be the the case but possibly the amount of rain that we've had sort of over Christmas um the information that's coming back is that um if the larvae were actually still sitting in the whorl at that part of at that time then they they're very easily drowned so um I know that there's in talking to the guys in Queensland there's still a quite a bit of pest pressure coming from up there so given that we haven't sort of had a season of just sort of you know with no persistent rain or any of that sort of stuff, I guess it's going to be really interesting for us moving forward to the next plantings as to what that pest pressure actually sort of looks like, I guess. What do you think about that?
3: I've got some soybean crops uh, adjacent to corn that's had full armyworm. At this stage in time, uh, we're, we're not seeing full armyworm in soybeans. Um, the only thing I've detected them in, in the tweed is corn and nothing else at this stage. So it'll be interesting to see once these corn crops finish up, what crops they start to affect.
1: Um, so if anybody does happen to have um, photos that they're needing to identify of larvae, they can um, send those through to a dedicated uh, email address, which is full armyworm all one word, at dpi.nsw.gov.au. So, the la- if they're going to send photos through, the larvae sort of it ideally, you know, should be, you know, a centimetre or so long um, just so that they can um, have a, a clear indication of where those dots are and be able to ID them properly. Anything younger than that, if people can actually just grow them out for a few days until we can actually get... Um, a good photo and send that through, uh, and that should happen sort of generally fairly quickly the, as in the getting the IDs back otherwise um, they could just give myself a call or, or give you James a call as well. Is that okay with you?
3: Yeah, yeah, for sure um, but yeah, some of your your indications that they are on a, a full army worm so normally they're light green to brown in color with white lengthways lines. They usually develop dark spots with spines as they mature so they've got a distinctive pattern of four spots on the second to last body segment and an inverted y shape pattern on their head that's good to grow them out if you're not sure or contact us
1: and i guess on the upside for for the growers that i've got sort of in those southern regions from grafton down the crops that are just about to be harvested the fall armyworm hasn't had a major impact Uh, Sort of on yield, and I was talking to one of the growers uh, a few days ago, and he's he actually said that a hailstorm that we'd had sort of three weeks ago actually had done more damage than the um, than fall armyworm had. So that sort of is um, heartening, I guess. Moving forward, well, I guess we're not actually going to know sort of until till next season, and so what that pest pressure is from Queensland and whether or not it pushes down south. But yeah, are you sort of seeing a similar thing with your growers as far as yield and, and impact goes?
3: Yes, yield doesn't look to be impacted too much at this stage but a lot of crops are yet to come off. But a lot of our growers too have controlled early on in the season so I think that's key. If you you control the larvae early on in the season, you shouldn't have too many problems.
1: I guess if anybody has any queries or questions, um, they can feel free to contact your um, local LLS office.
0: Fall Army Worm continues to expand its range, not just on the north coast, but elsewhere in New South Wales. If you think you've identified Fall Army Worm, call the Plant Pest Hotline on 1800 084 881 or email fallarmyworm at You can also get more information from the local land services website. And as always, you can get further support by calling your nearest local land services office on 1300 795 299. This podcast is jointly funded through North Coast Local Land Services and the Australian Government's National Land Care Programme.